Welcome to Gender, the podcast by queer foreigners for queer foreigners and also any British person who wants to be absolutely roasted by us because we all know self-hatred is one of the pillars of British culture. I'm your host Archie, I'm French and my pronouns are Ding Dong. In this episode, I will discuss Latin American culture with my guest Cynthia from Argentina. If you like the episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Gender Podcast. Share with all your foreign friends and British people. It's never too late to say sorry to a foreign person. Just find a foreign person today and say you're sorry about everything. Now, everyone, put on your best British accent and say it with me. Gender. Hi, Cynthia. Oh. Hello. Hello. <laughs> First of all, can you give us your best impression of a British person saying gender? Gender. Ooh, very <laughs> solemn. Love that. <laughs> okay, Cynthia, where are you from? What's your language, your culture, all of this? Well, so I'm from Argentina. Uh, I was born in the south, actually, mm-hmm. where the whales and the penguins <laughs> live. <laughs> um, I love that about it. It's, uh, it's called Puerto Madryn. And um, the funny, like what I always tell people here about where I was born mm-hmm. is that it's the biggest Welsh community outside of Wales. Oh my God. <laughs> That is so random. I know. It's super random. <laughs> and like I I was born there, lived there for just a year. And then my parents moved back to Buenos Aires, okay. which is where my mum is from. My dad is also from the south, a very small town, um, but on the Andes. And uh, And yeah, like I remember when I was little my parents will go back to Puerto Madryn because they had friends there mm-hmm. and we would go to like have to like a tea house and have like tea and I remember seeing like they had um pictures of like Lady Diana oh my god like she had that... visit the tea house and like for me it was just insane and then like I never kind of connected the dots because yeah, yeah. my family is not Welsh that's nothing yeah, to do yeah, yeah. I just like decided to move there Okay, what's your um, sexuality, gender, pronouns, all of this? So, um, I use uh, she, they pronouns. Mm-hmm. My gender is what? Um, <laughs> yes! <laughs> my gender is who? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Um, I identify as queer. Mm-hmm. I use that word a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the word woman is further and further away slowly like yeah. fading in the distance <laughs> um it's a journey yeah i know i know right I know. in the middle of the journey <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, 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 yeah okay cool and um one last question where what is your job your hobbies you know what what job are you taking from honest british workers coming to this country <laughs> <laughs> well i used to take their um pub jobs and uh, waitressing jobs mm-hmm. like they enjoy so much and they like they really want those jobs <laughs> and I just took them from them. Yeah. Um. I'm an actor, and I am. Um, I like to say I love when I write emails. I'm saying like I'm an actor. I'm a theater maker. Yes. I'm a drag artist. Yes. <laughs> Put them all. Yes. List them are. up and then they keep going. <laughs> they keep adding because you know you have to when you're a freelance. You're I just mean, like... yeah. You, you're doing ten jobs at the same time. All my friends are just creative people. <laughs> oh my god! I should just put like. Creative. Yeah. That's it. I'm a creative. I'm creative. <laughs> I'm an artist. Um, and I also do, uh, I have a little um, shop mm-hmm. called Manosqueer with my partner. And uh, I do, well, we do like lots of art, prints, uh, we design things because I have a degree in theatre design in like, had that in Argentina. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm technically a theatre designer. I have yeah. a degree. I've never designed anything for theater but you now have a little shop but and... my parents love the, the, <laughs> the little diploma it's in my parents house it was it was for them back in argentina, back in argentina. <laughs> like i was i was already living here when the degree arrived and i was like mom you can go pick it up and put it in the house <laughs> it was clearly more for them than for you i mean yes okay yeah. um so i'm gonna um give you a little situation okay so if you had to go to a little cafe for like a really chill meet up with some people who share the same interests as you. So artists, there can be people who have like a little uh, business like you, um, doing illustration, anything that you're interested in. So you know you're going to have something in common with those people. Mm-hmm. Would you be more comfortable if those people are all queer in many different ways, all the letters, mm-hmm. just all the queer people, uh, but they're all British and they have all been British for generations and generations, like they've never left the country. Mm-hmm. Or... A group of cis and straight people, they're not queer, but they're all from foreign countries. So not not from your country, but just not British. And 
they know what it's like to come to the country and try to start a new life here, basically. But none of them are queer. Where would you feel more comfortable? Ooh. I know we're always starting deep. Uh, um, that's a really hard question. Um, the British queer room, is everyone white? Um, Not necessarily? No. Just like generation, like, you know, it could be like third generation. Like, they, yeah. they've... they've their parents I mean, were born here and their grandparents yeah, were born exactly. here. Like, so, like, they enough. don't have to be white, but they, they've they never known any other culture. Yeah. it's a, I, uh, I struggle with that question and I've been struggling with that a, a lot because in my case, my experience is I tend to be drawn to queer spaces more than Latin American mm-hmm. spaces. This is very specific, obviously, from my um, kind of background of yeah. being a Latin American, speaking Spanish, all of that. And I think I always struggled in Latin American spaces because there were no queer people. Or mm-hmm. there was like very few openly queer yeah, people yeah. that I knew about. And I've always felt a little bit out of place in those spaces. Less, I guess, than in queer spaces. But also in queer spaces, there's a lot of foreign people. Yeah. They, they might not be Latin American, but they're like, you know. At least one in the room. At least there's one yeah. foreign like, <laughs> queer person in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, or again, like a... An, a person that's queer and they're not they're not white you know mm-hmm. i guess like there's some sort of connection there mm-hmm. that adds to it um but I, I seem to be drawn more to like queer spheres than latin american spheres which is really i struggle with that reality i mean there are more british people around you anyway because we well, live yeah. in the uk um so i guess it's also it's maybe also because we live in london it's maybe easier to find queer communities also in the world of theater yeah um and maybe Maybe there's actually more diversity in queer communities rather than yeah. Latin American well, communities here. I think it's hard as well because um, in the arts, not all of them, but a lot of them that had were able to access like drama school training and stuff are people that are obviously middle class. Yeah. Like that they have the means to come here. Their parents are able to support them. Yeah. Like me. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and those spaces are hard because, again, a lot of middle-class people have a lot of privilege. Most of them are white. And I don't feel comfortable in those spaces because I don't think they think about the intersectionalities that I would maybe have a little bit more of a understanding in a queer space than in the Latin American space. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are lots of Latin Americans here. Like, And I think I struggle when I realized that I wasn't part of those spaces and I didn't know why I wasn't like I saw all of other Latin American people that I work with in productions that are really cool and I see them they all get together and they you know they know each other and they do projects together and I'm like why am I why I feel left out from those spaces Mm -hmm. um and not because they are like not inviting me but I somehow like have a yeah, a complicated yeah. relationship. Do you with think those. there's like a maybe um like an unsaid deeper connection with queer people yeah. that even if they're British, you know there's something there that is like you're like these people anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there's something about again like the intersectionality of those spaces that like people recognize again not in all queer spaces. <laughs> queer spaces are not like that, but the ones I've been lucky to kind of get to know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier for them to maybe connect with struggles that I have that maybe they don't because again they're English they don't know what it is to be a foreign person in a mm-hmm. you know in a country and I think being misunderstood and being put in those um, kind of stereotypes and stuff I think queer people can identify with yeah, that yeah so even though they don't speak my language they kind of do <laughs> um, so yeah it's 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 complicated so you're saying Latin America yeah do you think I think there's multiple levels of being foreign and yeah. You know, I told you about the situation where everyone was from foreign countries because um, everyone just shares being foreign and not being from your country or from or from Latin America. They're just not from the UK. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's different if you're around people, people from anywhere in the world or just Latin American people and just Argentinian people? Oh, Argentinian people. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love that. I mean, uh, why did you come to this country? Uh, I, I hate French people. That's why I came here. <laughs> I think as well because I grew up in a middle class na- neighborhood. I went to private school. Mm-hmm. I went to private university. Even though Argentinian university is free and is really good, I still went to the private one. Yeah. Um. So I grew up with a certain type of people yeah and those are the people i was running away from (laughs) and those are the people that travel 
Yeah. Those are the people that are, are able to afford to come to right. Europe, you know, and I've met Argentinians and I don't connect with them because yeah. I know those are the people that I grew up with and they tend to be entitled or, you know, again, like not aware of, of their privilege. And I just, I find it difficult because yes, I'm an immigrant, but like, I came here and my parents paid for like drama school. Exactly. Like I'm not an immigrant that came here with nothing and I'm building myself up from like zero. Yeah, it's like, not the same. <laughs> yeah, you say immigrant when like, yeah, technically same. I'm an immigrant because I come from France, but I didn't have to cross the channel and almost die on the boat illegally, etc. And those people are also immigrants. So yeah. yeah, obviously it's different. Yeah. So then do you think you're closer to Latin American people? Yeah. I think uh, if what's happened is that the more I kind of tried to um, connect with Latin America and, and meet my, like, my own identity as a Latin American, because I think when I came, I very easily fitted in. in mm. Like I studied, again, like I came here, I didn't know anyone. And I went straight into drama school. Mm -hmm. I was living with three other people that were all like, one of them was Scottish, two of them were English. <laughs> And I didn't speak Spanish with anyone. I had one friend that one Mexican other student in the in the course and we spoke English to each other. Yeah. So I had like a complete disconnect. And also I was kind of stereot also like a lot of people put me in a stereotype and I was like, oh, the Latin American with long curly hair and can dance very well. And mm. it was weird because I kind of I feel like I enjoyed that in a bit, but then it kind of made me question like this is not all that I am but that's yeah. all you can see and it happened a lot and I think when I finished I'm just gonna obviously let you get out of the bubble the real world happens yeah and then after that I was like wait I feel so far away from my identity and I think I went into kind of like a, a search here to see like oh who, where can I go to kind of it's one of those things when you leave Latin America and that's when you realize you're Latin American because in Latin America, you're just there. You know, everyone's like you. Yes. <laughs> you know? It's like you become more Latin American when you leave. <laughs> it's like a weird. No, I get it because I came here to go to uni. And obviously when I arrived, I was like, I don't want to be with any French person because I went to another country to not be with French people. So why would I do that? <laughs> so I know I, I really like threw myself in. I mean, I had some foreign people, you know, in like societies in uni. Obviously, there's a lot of foreign people yeah. and queer people and all the people who are a bit different. Um, but m obviously, most of the people in my course were British. And so I had a lot of British friends in uni and learned a lot about the culture. And also, it really helped me just speak English really fast because French yeah. people who come here tend to find like a French group to hang out with and then they just never speak English. Yeah. Uh, so I really went really hard. <laughs> like I'm here for... <laughs> Any British culture, <laughs> throw it at me. And then lately, and I think that kind of also happened with me finding out about my queerness at the same time. That's why that's why I'm doing this podcast. I think I kind of reconnected. Um, you know, you, you're trying really hard to not be French. And then the whole world is telling you, no, you're French. And we're going to like tell you every step of the way with like microaggressions or anything. So at some point you're like okay maybe I should be proud of that like maybe I should reclaim it so yeah. I went the same way where I was like you come to this country and you just reject everything and then after a while you're like okay now I've made peace with myself <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm actually gonna go away from British people and like try to understand um who I am in this country and where I come from because that's actually really important yeah and I I, I had a similar experience in, in terms of like when I when I moved to London, I didn't know I was queer. Um, so I was very much like unaware, not even close. I mean, obviously like later on the years, you kind of realize you, all the times that you could have yeah. come out and you didn't because you repressed it yourself. Everything makes sense. Yeah, but literally. You didn't know Everything falls into place. Yeah. But like it wasn't, um, I guess I was very good at repressing it. So I didn't really like had it in my conscious. And then I came here, I was away from everyone that knew me and I um, fell in love in drama school with a woman and I was like oh I mm. guess I am gay <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think yeah that kind of also developed and when I finished drama school that relationship ended as well and then it was more like what well, who am I what am I doing and then I found this really cool group um the London Latinx really strong like activist group mm -hmm. and I think that's when I started to like want to be more part of it because there's a like a really grassroots group of people from different parts of Latin America with mm -hmm. completely different stories like some people again like very kind of privileged in the in their upbringing but others didn't lots of people left their countries because of wars or because of you know like violence 
And it was so empowering to be surrounded by those people because yeah. I was like, wow, this is this is what I want to be part of from Latin America. There's such amazing like activism, culture, like movement and change. And a lot of the times it's kind of, it's not really like, given the attention and the that it needs you know it always feels yeah. like oh first world country everything happens here first and i you know we are pioneers of uh, <laughs> diversity and equality blah 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 and you're like actually you know do you know that this country latin america had you know legalized abortion like ages ago mm-hmm. and no one said anything about mm-hmm. it and like i think i reconnected with that and it made it and there was a lot of queer people in that group as well yeah. so again um, so did you have um queer community you know in in your own um where you lived in like your life no Nothing. i didn't know okay. one queer person when i was growing up <laughs> i mean now that i think of i totally did but like you know everyone was closeted yeah and i didn't i didn't think i was raised in like a catholic way because my parents didn't go to church i wasn't baptized uh, but then you don't realize that actually you you know, it's there. It's just not like, yeah, we don't go to church, but the guilt is there. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it, it's still there. And and yeah, like it was just not accepted. And But you said you grew up in a really big city. So I would get from the countryside, okay, but even in Buenos Aires, there's no... But the thing is, again, like I was in the suburbs of mm-hmm. Buenos Aires. So I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the capital. Mm-hmm. And again, I went to a private school. Because if you go to public school, it's different. Mm-hmm. You've got much more variety of people, experiences and walks of life. Mm-hmm. Whereas where I was, everyone lived in the same neighborhood, you know, like went to the same places. It was a very small bubble of, yeah. of and, and I hang out with the same people all the time. And I remember like growing up, yeah, there was like, I remember kids that I'm like thinking now, like that kid was definitely queer and totally obviously bullied and stuff like that. So I had no reference of queer people or groups or anything and I left as a straight woman Mm. (laughs) so I I never actually found a queer space back Um, home do you not do you sometimes want to go back and you know party in central Buenos Aires just to just to go to like a a queer bar (laughs) well I'm lucky because um my brother is a trans non-binary person and like uh, this is a really funny story at least funny for me um <laughs> so i was very always very straight looking uh quite femme you know like i had boyfriends so mm. nobody suspect suspected anything <laughs> and whereas my brother he went through a whole like face of just like not shaving his legs and like shaving his hair which i did which my mum never forgave me for <laughs> he was like what did you do to your brother um and and they were like he's definitely going to come out. You know, they were like panicking about it. And then nothing happened. And then I was like, I have a girlfriend. And I was like, what? You were supposed to be the straight one. No one was looking at you. Literally. And, and then... I was like, you know, from like the other side of the, the, of the continent, like, bye, <laughs> across the Atlantic. Um, and then after a year after my brother also came out um, in at the time as uh, a lesbian and then as trans so he has a massive queer like community right. built around and those are the people that i know um he's also a drag king um in, and, uh, buenos, aires. in buenos aires yeah he's the king of kings in buenos aires he's cool my oh brother my is cool should we go let's go i mean i competed <laughs> last year because it was the, they made it online because of um the pandemic yeah and uh and I also won a crown, so I'm a crown king in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> International. Um, but it's a really like amazing small community, but it's mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's how I, I have that connection. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and I've been to parties and I, I went to like Christmases that they do together and they do like oh. runways and it's hilarious and okay. so fun. Yeah. So when you came to the UK, was it just for the, like drama school and work or did you know there was a queer community here and you were kind of looking for it as well when you came here? No, I think basically I I wanted to be an actor, but I was too scared when I finished school. So I went straight to like a more like something that looked more like a degree, like theater design. It's still artistic (laughs) and I love making things. So I was like, this works. And then in the middle of them, I was like, actually, I just want to perform. And I always fantasized about England and embarrassing as it sounds because of harry potter uh-huh. 
That's why it's the truth, <laughs> even though it's super embarrassing. And also, I love always love history, and it's like an old country. There was like a romanticized idea of this yeah. place yeah. Um, that I had. And my parents were like, yeah, we'd love you to travel and study abroad. Sure, why not? But I had no idea. Again, I didn't know I was queer. I had like a complete denial of it. So I, But I think inside, I knew that I had to get away to be able to be myself. Mm-hmm. I think that the back of my brain knew that I had to get out. Get out. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it was literally four months. I was here for four months and I was already in love with a woman and in a relationship. Yeah. Like it was so quick. And, and also like it happened in a way that I was like, I think this is not just a friendship. I think I'm, you know, I'm, I have romantic feelings for this person. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it didn't even feel traumatic until. Do you, do you think that's also because you were halfway across the world that you were like, I'm free to do whatever. So totally. Yeah. yeah. Like it just, I think. Nobody knew me as well here, so they just they just known me for what, four months, and then when I was like, "Yeah, we are dating," everyone was like, "Oh, okay," you know, like they yeah. didn't have like they didn't knew that I was gay, but also at the same time, like I know him for four months, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so it's not like new. It's just like something else that I add you as a person, you know. Whereas like I think back home, everyone knew me obviously from all my life, so yeah, it's yeah, much yeah. more of a statement you almost feel like you have to hold a press conference you know it's like yeah. <laughs> i've got an announcement <laughs> yeah that's what i really like about london is no one cares about anything i know nobody even looks at you it's yeah. like you walk around and it's like whatever. and people say that you know people in london aren't very nice and i guess that is kind of true we don't really talk to strangers but that's just because we're not really judging them we don't care yeah there was okay that has nothing to do with anything but that yeah. story is so funny to me um, do you remember like a couple of years ago when the um, scary clowns were a thing? When people were dressing up as really scary clowns yes, and that was scaring thing. people. Oh my God, I forgot about yeah. that. And they started doing it all over the UK. And then they started doing it in London. And it didn't work because no one cared. <laughs> and there was a picture. Of, don't even look at them. Yeah, like, mm, there was a picture of a, a really scary clown at like 3am in the tube. And people were just like, just a normal Saturday night in London. <laughs> You, you look at him and you're like, I guess you had a great night. Like, I'm happy for you. So, like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. London is incredible. Because yeah. no judgment. Yeah. So, did you, when you found out there was a queer community here, because yeah. I know you now you have loads of queer friends. Yeah. Was this, like, natural or were you suddenly like, oh, my God, I need to be around queer people now? <laughs> I need to get some queer friends. <laughs> um, well, I think my kind of introduction to the queer sphere was through drag. Um, not performing, just going to watch it. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I saw a drag king show was with my brother. He was visiting and I was like, I found this thing. I didn't, again, I had no knowledge about yeah, drag yeah, kings. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, I just saw this thing. It's like, um, man up, like the, the competition here. Yes. And I was like, there's like a final of like drag kings. That sounds really cool, right? My brother was like, yeah, let's go. Like neither of us knew what more was. And we went and we flipped. We were like, oh my God, like, what is this? I you love can, it. You can be this? <laughs> I know. Like it was crazy and really funny. I met Silver there yeah. before they were, dra- they were drag king. Like we met because me and my brother were speaking Spanish to each other and Silver is from Spain. So like they were just there with like a couple of friends, I think. And they just saw us speaking Spanish and, and they were like, oh, hey, da, 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 da. And we had like a whole conversation. Both me and my brother were like crushing on Silver like so hard. It's like, oh my God, who is this person? Look at you connecting queer and Latin. It, it oh was, my God. It was insane. And then like, we just followed each other on Facebook. And then all yeah. of a sudden I was like, oh my God, you're a drag king and you're incredible. And I'd seen all his journey. It was hilarious. But then from then on, I started going to more shows yeah. and yeah, meeting more people and more people. But it all started kind of through, yeah, through drag kings. <gasps> okay. So we're going to talk about food for a bit. Oh, I love food. Um, So as you know, I'm a French person. And as a French person, my opinion of British cuisine is... British cuisine doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not a thing. British people just eat food. <laughs> because we all have to in order to survive. That is my French opinion. Um, what is your opinion of British cuisine? <laughs> um, potatoes. and In many different ways. In me- they are very creative with their potatoes. <laughs> um, like, wow. Um, but also, yeah, like, I, I just remembered um, here, like, again, spicy they just put like I, I've seen how they they just saw spice was like I can't feel anything I can't taste anything because it's just like hurting my throat 
and and it was all kind of like not English. You're like, well, that's a curry. <laughs> like, well, that's, yeah, like, we uh, we talked about that on the last episode. Do you think Indian food and Chinese food? Do you think that's kind of part of British cuisine? Of of course, like food in a country like this, where like you've got so much immigration, so many cultures living here. Obviously, that's going to translate and it's going to yes. mix up. Um, but yeah, like if I think about traditional British food in like what a Sunday roast. I mean, I love roast potatoes. Don't get me wrong; it's the, they're delicious. <laughs> I think one thing that English people are good at is mixing loads of things together and <laughs> calling it a dinner. And I'm not even kidding. I have you had an English breakfast? It's incredible. It oh doesn't my God, make yeah. any sense. It was like eggs and bacon and sausages, beans, beans. Again, wait. When I moved here and I saw beans on toast, I was like, "That is disgusting." <laughs> I eat it now. Yep. Like it's in the cupboard. <laughs> like I've got, I've got, I've got baked beans in the cupboard and I have like, I'm guilty of assimilating <laughs> with that. And also eggs, which I don't eat anymore. But like when I moved here as well, like I was like, how do you have that for breakfast? Like back home, I had like a toast with a bit of jam or like cereal, <laughs> you know, like also I have a thing where like I, our breakfasts are normally like sweet. Yeah. Not savory. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then here you've done like a couple of eggs with also butter on everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in my household, it's like no butter, butter is bad. Whereas here's like sugar, sugar is bad. <laughs> Where I was like, okay, but you have butter. Like what's, what's wrong with sugar? Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I take it as a, a good thing that they don't really care about food. And once again, I'm saying that as a French person because yeah. we are so pretentious about food <laughs> that obviously I come here and I'm like, I can do whatever I want Doesn't and matter. no one yeah. will judge me. Or as like French people judge you. They will. They do. They will judge you about the food that you're eating. Yeah. And here is just, everyone's just free to do whatever they want, which also really works with London where you, you're free to do whatever you want in many sides of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it, same with food and the way they drink alcohol at any time of the day I and the know. way it's, it's, Again, because the the times are different. So here you would get together for like, let's say, pre-drinks at like, what, seven? Mm-hmm. And then you would have to go out by nine at least because by 11, everything is sort of closing mm-hmm. anyway, or like 12. Unless you're like in a club and there's like maybe three yeah. to go crazy at three. <laughs> um, whereas back home, you go out at 12. So you start at like... So you have dinner at like 10. Because yeah. if you eat at like six... Then you imagine having a drink at 12, you do that. <laughs> so then we eat at like 10 and then you just like do the pre-drinks, but the pre-drinks are so late. They're like, again, at 12 or one, because you only want to arrive at the club at like two or three, because by one, there's no one there and it's like not cool to be there so early. And then you, you go home at like seven. Okay. That's literally the night out that like when, again, I've been living in this country for like eight years almost and... A couple of years ago, I went back and visited my brother. And again, my brother is like 25. So he goes out uh, much more than I do now. <laughs> and um, and he was like, oh, let's go out. Let's go. Let's go. And it was like 11. And I was like, I'm so out? tired. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, Cynthia, come on. Like, we have to go out. It's just it's just right. And also like really close to where he lives. And I was like, but it's so late. And, it, and, uh, and then we literally went out and we came back at like four or five. I was like, I can't be awake at this time. Is there like um, a way that British people, um, you know, do their social life here that you can't find in your country of origin where you're like, oh, it's really cool to actually do this here. And like, for example, not starting drinking at 3 p.m. Maybe not that, <laughs> but just like something that you do here that, you know, it's not really in your culture in Argentina, but it really is something here. I mean, I do like the um, the pub culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the idea of people getting together and like during the day and just mm-hmm. like meet up. There's something about obviously they don't have a great summer, yeah. <laughs> so they appreciate the heat so much that yes. when it's like there's the excitement in, and there's so many places you can go and they have like places you can sit outside and they've got like you know like they create like little beaches so that you can just like hang out in <laughs> yes. the middle of like a park and people like <laughs> swim in the lake and like it's just everyone's so excited and I think I, I I like that obviously like back home and also Buenos Aires is a city so it's really hot and it's mm. not nice when it's the summer it's like yeah. 40 degrees and yeah. nobody wants to go anywhere because you're like sweating mm-hmm. but I like that kind of going out because I think we don't do that as much we go to people's houses 
Whereas here, you just hang out at the pub, which is almost like hanging out at someone's house. Yeah. And like, I used to work in a pub and like, I really like that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. There's always the same people. They come and talk to you and it's literally like they come into your house <laughs> to have a drink. Right. And check yeah. in. I, 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 I like that, that kind of culture because it creates like in a neighborhood kind of vibe. Yeah. That's kind of like the community yeah. and the, like, yeah, the social spaces are very, I mean, I, I don't really like that it's so connected to alcohol. Yeah. And, um, people who don't really fit into that kind of, They get left out. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it is really, and you know, right now we're in the, on the road of being out of lockdown, hopefully. And honestly, seeing those pictures of people, so many friends getting together in parks and also it it, like, it happened in the first days of sun. Yeah. And as you said, British people go crazy on the the first day of sun of the year. They're all outside. (laughs) And so like seeing all those people outside, I was like, yeah, that's how like people socialize here. And it's like, it's actually so nice to see people finally enjoy that. And London is beautiful when it's sunny. It's so beautiful. <laughs> That's another thing that I love about London specifically is the amount of parks and green spaces, mm-hmm. which back home is they're harder to find. Like there are places where, you know, in, in the city, mostly really big parts and areas. But in general, like the um, smaller uh, parks, we call them like plaza, where like you have like the games for yeah. kids and stuff. Yeah. They're mostly cemented. So they're not like... There's not a lot of green really to mm, sit on or anything. Mm. Whereas here you've got like huge parks and like mostly on any neighborhood you live, there's always going to be like a massive park or a common or somewhere yes. that's green. Um, and I think that's so like necessary when you live in the city and you live, well, at the moment I'm really lucky and I have a, I have a garden, <laughs> but like in London, it took like eight years. <laughs> um, but you know, when you live normally in like a flat, you know, with lots of other people as well, yeah. sharing, yeah. like having a place that you can go that is not too far that you can just walk to, mm-hmm. even when it's cold. Well, <laughs> I got used to it. Like, I feel like I, I when I got here, I I couldn't stand the cold. And I think like, I don't know how, but I think my body adapted. <laughs> like, I think the cold is fine, but I think th- those like couple of past years, oh my God, the rain, the rain seemed here. I like, I definitely have <laughs> seasonal depression because. Oh yeah. That's when, a real thing. <laughs> yeah, when the sun comes back after literally six months of rain, mm. like there were moments where I was <laughs> Skyping with my family back in France and they were telling me about the sun and the snow and all these different things. And I'm like, it's been raining for literally three weeks. <laughs> what do you mean there's seasons? <laughs> yeah. Like this is what I have back home here. It rains and then it's too hot. <laughs> well, uh, we have a, like, maybe it's not a same, but something that people say a lot, which is like, if there's a cloudy day, like today, grey sky, mm-hmm. pretty common here, mostly every day. This is a good day. Yeah, though. this is a really nice day. It's not raining, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and, uh, but if it's a cloudy day, I remember when I was younger, everyone would just be like, oh, oh I'm not going outside today. Mm-hmm. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do anything today. So cloudy. If you, if you felt like that here, no one would leave their home. Ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. Like, but because at least Buenos Aires is very sunny, even in the winter. And if we have rain, it's very concentrated. So we have like intense rain, like a proper storm. Mm-hmm. And it might last like two weeks and then no more rain mm-hmm. for ages. So it's like always sunny, even when it's cold. And it makes a massive difference because you come here and then like literally there's no light. <laughs> well, it's light, but there's no sun. And mm-hmm. like <laughs> you can ask anyone that's lived with me every time there's like sun here in my living room i literally sit on the floor and i'm like literally doing the photosynthesis like, just like uh, getting your vitamin D. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i have to um so did you grow up with i'm gonna say us or uk um pop culture just you know english mm-hmm. um or is like your own country like music art um film television is it big in your country or is it majorly taken Um, from the US and the UK? No, I think we have a lot of um, local, like, art. Mm -hmm. Like, we on TV, we've got loads of um, series, (laughs) telenovelas. Yes. Oh, yes. Lots of them. I used to watch them when I was young and (laughs) older. Also, (laughs) maybe in secret, but I did still. Um, And we do have, like, a lot of... um, from other Latin American countries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, normally like daytime TV, you know, you've got like loads of shows and films as well. We have quite a big film industry in Argentina. Would you say that you share, um, for example, Latin music is just shared between all those countries? It's not really 
Argentinian is No, we have a lot of Argentinian music as okay. well. Um again like like in the 70s and the 80s there was a big um rock Argentinian kind of lots of bands that came out and my parents listened to a lot of them because it's from their generation so mm-hmm. I heard them a lot at home and a lot of them are very like Again, it was the time when the, the dictatorship was up, so they're all very like Political, communist, yeah. like anti, like Angry. everything. Yeah, literally, <laughs> but also very like coded, so they could still release the albums right. without it being be, be, being like persecuted. Um, so and there's very there were lots of like very psychedelic as well. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of pop like bands music as well. So we have a lot of like our own influence and very popular in the media mm-hmm. as well. When you came here. Could you find that Argentinian or Latin American culture or did you have to just give up and just go with UK culture? I'm pop culture like music, TV, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um no. Do you think British people know about your culture no. basically? <laughs> no, they don't. They watch the musical Evita. I mean, <laughs> we don't talk about that. Cuz we don't talk about you know who. <laughs> I know, um, which is completely wrong and inaccurate. Um, but uh, no, they don't know. And I think Latin American is a very broad, like, label. Yeah. And I think there is a stereotype, which is like a kind of mix of what everybody put together. It's like they got a little bit of Mexico, so they added mariachi, but then they mixed it with, like, salsa, and they mixed it with, like, you know. And it's it's an Argentinian is not, like, a, a very well-known culture like my type of like my culture is not the stereotypical latin american culture because mm-hmm. we have a lot of italian influence even the way we speak words we use food we eat it's very and then you also have like also the, the kind of indigenous culture yeah and you learn it a little bit at school but not as much to be honest and and argentina is known in latin america to be a country that's very much like we're european actually We're not really a Latin American. Right. We're different. <laughs> yeah, like mostly Buenos Aires as well. It's very much like, oh no, we actually are like, you know, we connect more with like Spain and Italy and Europe and stuff and the like separation, yeah. Yeah. whitewashing. Yeah. Um, do you think when people talk about queer culture, do you think really they mean British gay culture? Because British people don't know any of a culture, so they don't know any of a queer culture. Yes. So when you try to talk about queer culture and talk with queer people about things that define us as a community and things that helped you um, come out to yourself or understand different things, it always has to be English because it's the only thing that really connects us with those people. Maybe there's like a couple of movies from halfway across the world that somehow made it to like the gay list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But apart from that, I feel like if you want to connect with people about queer culture, yeah. You as a let's say non-English speaking person, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to make the effort to go to their culture and their queer culture because they will never make the effort to take your culture and yeah. bring you in well, the queer yeah, world. Yeah, but I think that kind of yeah, that translates like to like basically everything, isn't it, in here mm. because again as a as an imperialistic country, like, you know, uh, they, they just kind of think of themselves as, as the center. And then they don't think that, like, queer culture was existed and developed and it's super strong in other cultures, yeah. much more than here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that people are, well, as well, you know, when you talk about um, transness as a thing, Everyone's like, it's such a new thing. It's a millennial thing. You know, all this Gen Z with TikTok and whatever, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is not new. Maybe it's new to you. And in Western culture. Yeah, exactly. But like, if you, you know, talk about, I follow lots of people, again, from Latin America and lots of queer indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about, you know, their, their culture. And it's like, yeah, that, that's a thing. And it existed. Be- <laughs> It existed before countries like the UK came in and colonized yeah. and got rid of non-binary yeah. culture and then yeah. pretended, no, it, it doesn't exist. exist. Yeah, and now not... we are inventing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, you, yeah, it's a really weird, but again, like really common as well when, you know, when it comes to languages as well, like when even like knowing like, you know, English people that speak a second language is rare. 
because they don't they're not encouraged to and because everyone else speaks their language so why would they have to learn another one it's so easy you just go to and you speak your language and people are like yeah i know what you're saying they make the effort so you don't have to <laughs> yeah like and it's not encouraged so of course they're not going to want to watch a film with subtitles because effort and they're not used to it and of course at the when you you have to practice to be able to do it without yeah but you miss so much though so you said that you um found out you were queer, whatever that means, but yeah. we understand you. Came out of my shell. Yeah. Um, you were queer the whole time, but you I didn't was. know. I, I definitely was. <laughs> um, so you started using queer language in mm -hmm. English, I assume. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's easier to talk about queer stuff in English? Yes. It's so weird, but yes. I have that kind of uh, connection because of my brother. And he uses queer language in Spanish, obviously region, regionalized Argentinian queer yeah. language. And I learned it f from him, but I always feel like I'm behind because I don't use that kind of language. And yeah. a lot, a lot of it is, um, English terms that they get like edited. And I love it though. <laughs> I love it when people do that. Like the way they, like they say the word queer, but it's written C-U-I-R. Okay. <laughs> That's how they write it. Um, and lots of words like that, or, or they get like kind of edited and added like, a Spanish kind of ending to the word yeah. and I find it so much easier to speak about my queerness in English because that's how I learned it and how I kind of grew it in this atmosphere and I think in general I find it difficult to explain things in Spanish that I lived in English and we have so the pronouns would be ella for female pronoun el for masculine, and then we have the new one, which is eshe. So what we do is, uh, for the gender-neutral one, we just add an e, an e at the end. Instead of a or o. Oh, yeah, which will be the, no normally that will be the endings if they were female or um, male. Um, and it's become quite popular. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's used a lot. They started using it in schools as well. Like things like, you know, when you say everybody, so, you know, todas, todos. Y todes. Okay. Like, it's been used a lot. It's been used in speeches, like, and it's becoming more and more popular. And I think, yeah, at the beginning it was hard because I just added, like, the E at the end to everything. And they were like, <laughs> I don't have to, like, said the phone is gender neutral. It's fine. Like, it's just the phone. But, like, it's, it's confusing at the beginning. Yeah. But obviously I used it a lot with my brother, which made me practice a lot. And obviously his experience is different because he lives there and he kind of took charge of that language and made it you know their own um but yes i guess when you're living in a different country it's just a complete different experience and having to kind of dip into that and feeling a bit like it just doesn't sound the same and yes here and people complain here it's like it's so easy like you so already easy. Like you already use they them when you don't know the person's gender yeah anyway like it's it's not like a oh we've never used that word before i'm so confused i think <laughs> how many people are they like you do use it you use it all the time but it's and it's so yeah they, they don't know how easy it is they had no idea when like everything is freaking gender for no reason <laughs> and you're yeah you have to learn every single object around you i know like well when people learn spanish they're just yeah. like oh my god and also found something really interesting is like in different languages you know, german also is gendered things mm -hmm. are gendered but like sometimes they're gen like the same thing in spanish is one gender and in in german is like a different gender and like it's crazy how that influences the way we think about that word yes i saw like an article about that i was like um it's insane like but, like for example most of the female words are stuff in the kitchen etc most of the male words are stuff in the office but also like for example um bridge in Spanish is masculine, mm -hmm. but in uh, German is feminine. I might be wrong, but like <laughs> there was a word like that word, and then they asked people from that language to describe a bridge, and people were there in their language. It was a masculine bridge. They'd be like, "Oh, sturdy, strong," and then like if, if in that language it was a feminine word, they'll be like, "Oh, elegant, long," and it was like, "This is insane! <laughs> like, it's a bridge." <laughs> in every country it's yeah. just a bridge um so yeah it's crazy how that like makes it much harder to like imagine the non-binary experience when mm -hmm. the whole of your language is just saying two things two things do you think there's a different way um in which you express yourself here 
and in your mother tongue, like for example, gay, queer, all those words are like loaded in a different way. I mm. think it's it's uh again, like I haven't really um experienced it day to day. Yeah, so it's hard. It's almost like you say like, oh it feels weird when I use it back home because it just feels a bit further away yeah. from me. But there's other words and like I like the words but I feel like they don't belong to me as much. Mm-hmm. Like the words like Um, again, like coined words that were used as an insult, like drollo, or like those words that I remember listening to them when I was young and it was a bad thing and it would, they use it now. And like, I think that's amazing, but in a way it feels a bit like. Is it because to you it's still a bad thing? N- not necessarily. I think, I think it's just because, um, I have, it hasn't been used on me as much mm-hmm. by others as well. And like, so it almost feels like I'm, I'm, I visit that, yeah. you know, and I use it when I'm there a little bit, but it just doesn't feel as as genuinely me as the words that I use yeah. every day. You know, <laughs> it's weird. It's so no, speaking two that. languages is so mess. It's just a mess. <laughs> it's just a mess sometimes. <laughs> um, so you said earlier that some people thought you were Italian. Can you give me a list of countries that British people thought you were oh, from when they yes. heard your accent? Here we go. Um, <laughs> not just the accent, but my face as well, yeah. because. My where my family is from is all over. Obviously, mm-hmm. Argentina is also mm-hmm. a country full of immigrants. Mm-hmm. So I'm part Italian, Spanish, Lebanese, Syrian. So I've been I've been confused for lots of countries, like <laughs> Arabic countries, mm-hmm. like so much. Like I've been spoken to from people from those countries, stopped in the street and spoken to them in their oh. language, and I'm like, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But okay. here all the time. Um, as well, again, Italian, Spanish as well, because I speak Spanish as well. Colombian, mostly I think because I'm short. I have, I used to have really long, like, I have curly hair, so really long curly hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite curvy, I have a big ass. So everyone would be like, oh, Latin American, Colombian. I'm like, no. Wow. Not even close, so far away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so you are an actor. And I'm an actor. Um, a thespian, isn't that how you call it? Thespian, isn't it? They love yeah. saying that here. <laughs> yeah, theatre people, right? Yeah, That's, I think yeah. like a thespian. Yeah. Obviously, we have to very quickly talk about the accent. Oh my God. In your line of work. So are you typecasted all the time? Are you proud to be that person? Do you want to not be the person with an accent? Um. It's weird. So when I, again, I did, I went through the indoctrination of drama school, right? So I learned RP and all of that. And weirdly enough, I think I was a bit oblivious to the whole lose your accent. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to copy sounds without realizing. So it's not like when I used to live with all English people, I sounded very English. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, now my partner is uh, from Sheffield. So sometimes I sound a little bit Northern. I don't know. It's <laughs> very confusing for everybody involved. Um <laughs> But I think when I was studying, I learned all these accents, but I never felt like, oh, I need to sound English. But I also, you know, I just, I didn't have that kind of panic. So then I went out into the world and I mm-hmm. just sounded like how, like I sounded. I think I struggled more when I went for Latin American roles because I didn't sound it like they were expecting a Latin American person to sound in their, like mind and yeah, their imagination the stereotypical accent so i i always struggle in those moments more than i've never obviously i've never been cast as an english person mm-hmm. but i've worked a lot into just like a character that just didn't matter where they were from or they were just yeah they had an accent but it was irrelevant mm-hmm. um and then in theater it's a bit more like open i think and I d- i've done like latin american roles and it wasn't really that important that my accent was perfectly one thing or another But when it comes to like castings for like TV, they're just so obsessed with the idea they have. Yeah. And they they just, and also like they're so vague because they just say like, we want Latin American actors. But like I go there to the audition, I'm like, you don't want a Latin American actor, you want a Mexican actor. Or you want like a Latin American person that can do a Mexican accent or a Colombian accent, you know? So, and I had this this conversation with the casting director with the like, I spoke and I... Because I lost my accent a lot. I mean, I still obviously have an accent, but it's much more mild than it was before. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me to do an accent, I put this really weird, like, Lat- Latin American accent, which is not how I would speak. Like, Argentinian people don't have that accent, yeah. but it's like what people imagine. Yeah. So I, I was really thorough and I was like, I'm going to ask my brother to read this for me and I'm going to 
do an Argentinian accent, which mm -hmm. is my accent. And I did it. And they were like, are you Italian? That sounds, that sounds like an Italian accent. And I was like, well, I'm from Argentina. There's obviously a lot of Italian influence. So yeah, we might sound Italian when we speak. And I felt really like invalidated because for them, that didn't sound Latin American. So I wasn't Latin American enough mm -hmm. for them. But mm -hmm. I'm also not Italian. So an Italian person would be like, you don't sound Italian, you know? So you in this weird like limbo because in you just between. don't because you just don't satisfy that image they have mm -hmm. of a Latin American person and the way they sound. It just confused me a lot, and I was like, "Oh, so am I supposed to learn a Colombian accent?" Mm. And I don't know what to do about that. And it's happened less now. I think there's a lot more Latin American work being done by Latin American people, mm -hmm. not like mainstream, but and I think that's a bit more open and more specific as well. Did you ever um, worked for people who were looking for specific countries in Latin America? Or every time you see an ad for a job, is it just Latin American? No, I think I've seen more um, now. It's uh, maybe like specific, you know, there's a Mexican role. Mm -hmm. So you need to sound Mexican. So I had to like, you know, prepare a Mexican accent or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, the thing is like... <laughs> No one's going to write an Argentinian character. Like, we're not that popular, you know, in, in here. And, you know, it's the only thing they know us about is the Falklands. And it's not good. So there's like no... It's, and it's also not the character that people, again, imagine when they write Latin American character. Yeah. They, what they think, you know, they think more like Central America and they imagine Caribbean and they imagine like hot weather, salsa, maracas and whatever, you know. Mariachis, like you They said. don't imagine us... So it's, I think it's, yeah, it's harder. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? That's just me. That's, that's who I am. I'm not English. I'm never going to be as good as an English character, as an mm -hmm. actual English person. <laughs> so, you know, take me or leave me a little bit, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. So before we end, I'm going to ask you a rapid fire round mm. about the monarchy. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so you have to answer in yes, no, or very short answers. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Have you watched The Crown? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Do you like the Queen? Uh, I don't okay. know. No, I don't dislike her, I think. Do you think the Queen killed Diana? Oh my god. <laughs> so intense! Maybe. <gasps> <laughs> Just creating some, <laughs> some tension there. <laughs> Should we guillotine the Queen? Ah, that's, that's a, I was like, that's a difficult question. I'm actually considering. I really don't think it is, but I think one day I'm going to do this podcast with a French person. Yeah. And we'll see what I they mean, say. We'll see what they say. <laughs> so what's your answer? Uh, yes. <laughs> question mark. Maybe. <laughs> yes, but I won't do it. I won't, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I don't want to know about it. Okay. <laughs> don't tell me when it happens. <laughs> Do you think Prince Harry's hot? I used to, because I had a thing for gingers, but nah. Can you confirm the monarchy has invaded, killed and raped thousands of people in many countries all over the world? Oh, yes, 100%. Yes, yes, yes. Can you confirm they are in control of an absurd amount of wealth while they leave the poor to die? Oh, yes. Can you confirm Prince Andrew allegedly is a pedophile and sex offender? Yes, yes, yes. Can you confirm the monarchy didn't do anything when Margaret Thatcher introduced Section 28? Oh, yeah. So can you tell me why the monarchy is still a thing then? I think they're just so attached to, like, the 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 fantasy, isn't it? Like, it, but it's the, I think it's the same, obviously with less, much less history. But, like, we're, we're in the United States, people are obsessed with famous people. It's like they, they see that and, like, they think somehow because of capitalism that they will, they, that's the goal mm -hmm. almost. Like, I want to have that life. Obviously, like, they can't be queen, <laughs> but it's like, like, I, you know, that fabulous life, that mm -hmm. kind of fantasy. And also with the monarchy, you've got like all, everyone's grows up with the prince and princess and happy ending story. Mm -hmm. uh, but the more you know about it, the more like sinister it is. And it's like, There's nothing to save there. And everyone's like, oh, because tourism. That's the excuse I've always heard. He was like, oh, no, but they still have them because, you know, it brings so much tourism. People can still come to see the building. Like, I went to France and I went to Versailles. <laughs> and I didn't need to know that, the, you know, the, the whatever, the king, that all found were there. I don't care. I just wanted to go in and look at the pretty building and take pictures. <laughs> I can't even go into, like the actual rooms and exactly like if they weren't didn't live there i actually could go and visit and mm -hmm. take pictures in it it still would work without them being here <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i i hope 
maybe after 50 episodes of this podcast, I will have an answer to why the monarchy is still here. But yeah, it's it's a journey. I'm asking everyone and no one really knows, but it's there. And I don't really want to ask British people. Maybe they'll give me the answer, but I'm not interested in that. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know either, but hey, it's here. Okay. (laughs) So after this conversation, would you say you are queer first and foreign second? Or would you say you're foreign first and queer second? I think I'm queer first, foreign second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you want to say to our non-British audience? Well, I think don't try to assimilate (laughs) here. Like, don't. Like, I know that everything around you tells you that that's the way to survive here. And that, like, you will do better if if you do that, but you won't. Because you'll never be like them. Like, no matter how much you try, like, you would never be like them. And you always be at a disadvantage. So might as well own who you are and then they can like it or not. But at least, you know, you'll be honest, true to yourself and you'll be yourself. And you find opportunities. You will, because they are there. They're just, like, hidden. <laughs> you don't know where they are. Or you created yourself as well. That's what we are doing, you know, like, just... Don't try to be English. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> don't. <laughs> that is beautiful. And yes, except for baked beans. I mean, please try baked beans if you haven't. <laughs> it's like the best like hangover, like lazy food. Open the can, toast some, put some butter on it. Mm-hmm. It's just... Um, what would you say to a British audience if they've survived until now? Don't try to be British. Not try- <laughs> Stop being British, no. Um, what would I say? Just get out of your comfort zone and stop, like, don't be afraid to kind of immerse yourself in other cultures. And I know it's scary because it's scary for us when we come here as well. Like, it is because you don't know the rules, you don't know anything, but, like, you will get so much out of it, like, so much. And there's, like, such beautiful spaces in this country um, that you can go visit. And people will welcome you with open arms and that's the like the the there's a myth you know that it's gonna be like you're gonna people are gonna look at you bad or like they're just not gonna welcome you and it's it's rare that that happens and if they do and they're angry you know take it just take you know accept the accept as well the rejection sometimes that happens you know people are angry and they feel left out and you know it's the first step isn't it just kind of being like yeah i know sometimes english people are shit and you just have to be like yeah you know we are sometimes <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say, I'm not saying anything, but I'm very aggressively nodding (laughs) to everything you're saying. I just, yeah, I don't want to cut you because that's beautiful. But yes, absolutely. Um, So where can we find you? Do you have anything to plug? It's promo time. It's promo time. Um, Well, I'm pretty sure this would air after our Kickstarter finishes, (laughs) but it's still going to be a thing. So um, I have a theater company. It's called Barbarian Collective. Um, We're on Instagram. Um, and we at the moment are, uh, funding a short film that my other, the other side of Barbarian, Ana Torre, she wrote a short film about Latin American representation. And so that's going to be out at some point. So if go look for it, it's, it's really funny and is about us getting a box in census and stuff and being visible because it's, Literally in London, we're the fastest growing, like one of the fastest growing communities in London. Yes, yeah. Um, so there's lots of us out there. <laughs> um, as well, I have my own Instagram. Uh, I have a drag Instagram. Ooh. It's called La Biche Furiosa. <laughs> and you're going to hear about them everywhere very oh, soon. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of drag there. And then I also have like, um, oh, yes, my shop. Go visit my shop. It's called Manosqueer. Again, we're on Instagram and we have an Etsy and we sell lots of gorgeously queer, angry stuff. Um, and I can confirm I am <laughs> now a customer. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and it's it's great quality. Oh, <laughs> and the first sale we had since we opened back with our new Ooh. beautiful logo, we had a lovely uh, makeover. <laughs> now we're now new all era. shiny. <laughs> new era. Come on, get Come. into it, guys. <laughs> Out of lockdown and out of the pandemic, <laughs> we, like, loose blossomed. Yes. Um, thank you so much, Cynthia. That was so interesting. Um, <laughs> and I actually found out so many things, um, which we're going to talk about off podcast, because I want to pretend I know everything on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was incredible. Uh, can you... Um, 
Take us out with the EastEnders theme tune. Do you know East EastEnders? I know, but I have no idea what the intent. I mean, you have to sing it, otherwise we can't end the podcast. Okay, so I just have to make it up. Here you go. I can help you. The Please beginning is.